This week on I Watch This as an Adult Movie Reviews, I will be reviewing the 1994 coming-of-age romantic comedy, The Inkwell. All right, now, we're going to get this show started. You guys ready to get down? Are you ready to get... It was the summer of 76. Wow. What it is, cuz? Still a virgin? You don't want to know. And a vacation we'd never forget. Like my seashells? Do I even know you? So you meeting any girls? Now, Drew Tate is turning two weeks. Are you trying to break my door down? Into a lifetime of experience. Hi. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I have to go, too. <laughs> Bye. Anything you want to know. I mean, anything. You come to me, right? Oh, okay. What's the G-spot? We're gonna have to work on that, Drew. Now, where's your party jams? Oh, oh my gosh. I'm wearing them. These are corduroys, Drew. Man, they make noise when you walk. You can start a fire. Dancing, dancing, dancing. He's making the scene. Girl, I got a sweet tooth for your love. <laughs> Seeing the sights. Yeah. Well, surprise, surprise, surprise. Everyone having a wonderful time. Yes. And turning every day ah. into a celebration. <laughs> That's too nasty, but I can't help it. I'm nasty. Get in the groove <laughs> at the Inkwell. Did you pop it? No, no, we bought it. The lobster, no nuts. Hello and welcome to I Watch This As An Adult Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Mikkel Ford. Join me right now as I take a trip to the 70s in the 90s. As you heard at the top of the of the of the podcast, if you heard the the, the, the trailer at the beginning, I am going to be reviewing the 1994 movie. The Inkwell, starring Lorenz Tate, Jada Pinkett, not Smith yet, <laughs> Jada Pinkett, uh, who else is in this movie, Glenn Turman, Joe Morton, a lot of, a lot of good black actors in this movie, <laughs> I'm not gonna run through them, you'll get to know all of them as the movie goes along, but let's start off with the technical uh, this this movie was directed by Maddie Rich. It was written by Trey Ellis and Paris Qualls. The budget for the movie was $8 million, and the box office was $8.9 million, so it didn't really do well at the box office. And it has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 22%, which I kind of I disagree with, but you already know this. Um... <laughs> I'm not gonna keep going on with that but anyway uh before we even before we even start talking about this movie because this is the interesting this is the interesting thing about this movie uh the most interesting thing about this movie is the director we need to talk about 
Maddie Rich because he has a very interesting career and it plays into the careers of a lot of black directors in the 90s in the 80s I would I would say so as well but there was kind of like a renaissance of black directors in the 90s and a lot of them you know kind of kind of sputtered out but let's get it let's talk let's talk about Maddie Rich and talk about just black directors in general because like I said Maddie Rich very interesting very interesting individual uh especially since the equal was his last mainstream Hollywood movie this was the last mainstream Hollywood movie that he directed he only directed two movies like he only directed two movies he directed the inkwell which was kind of like his main mainstream movie and he directed another movie uh in 1991 called straight out of brooklyn which is kind of like an indie film he like he kind of funded it himself i think with like he funded he did he did the robert townsend method you know how robert how robert townsend funded hollywood shuffle with a lot of credit cards and, and like borrowing and just borrowing money from people uh, all this stuff to make this movie that's what maddie rich did to, to make uh, straight out of brooklyn like he, he used a lot of credit cards and he borrowed money from people uh that would give him money you know kind of like a crowdfunding type of thing you know because like uh, uh patreon and uh gofundme and all these things did not uh exist in the 90s so he had to he had to do it do it the hard way he had to do it the old-fashioned way so like he got he, he made straight out of brooklyn with all of that support uh which uh straight out of brooklyn is what got him noticed and afforded him the chance to do the ink well uh they 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 thought that straight out of brooklyn was this brilliant film and everything so they was like yeah let's let's bring this guy in let's bring him in to do a hollywood movie and they gave him the inkwell uh the inkwell but the inkwell bombed the inkwell bombed and he never got the chance to do another movie again like ever like now i think he uh i think he like he makes video games now i mean like because he's not struggling i'm gonna <laughs> I'm like i'm not gonna make it like maddie rich is struggling or anything like that he's not uh he's making he like he's making video games now he runs like a video game studio so like he's he he ain't out here broke destitute homeless okay so like he he's straight but it's just uh but it's just like this was the story of black directors like especially in the 1990s like if if you weren't spike lee or john singleton like there was a slim chance you were like getting a movie made as a black director like like especially especially if you're like doing something out of the box like what maddie rich did or um with uh what like theodore witcher did with love jones or uh or a julie dash with daughters of the dust you know like if you remember that movie that movie's like very 
that movie's like very avant-garde and it's about like Geechee culture you know like, like who would have thought to, who would have thought to have made a movie like that you know like, nobody would have but like these are the people that never got to make a mainstream movie ever again because they were so out of the box they were so just they weren't in the box of what black people were supposed to be doing or what black movies were supposed to be because like you got to remember we were in the we were in the gangster rap era we were in the hood movie era like if it if it wasn't anything like boys in the hood or menace to society or whatever like or whatever spike lee was doing like he like he's making malcolm x you know like he's making like by making if it's not like a biopic about a black person if it's not like if it's not slavery stuff like if it's not like i'm a star <laughs> or something like that like or a glory you know it's not it's not getting made or if it is getting made like they gotta push real hard to get it made and then it and then it goes out and they're just like oh see nobody went to go see it we're not dealing with you again you know you know (laughs) because like that's what happened that's what happened to a lot of these these directors and a lot of these movies it was like oh nobody went to go see it you know you know (laughs) nobody went to go see it so like yeah i guess i guess you're i guess you're nothing you know (laughs) pretty much and so like these people pretty much just got blackballed blackballed from hollywood and like they never really did anything ever again which is which is why i'm happy about this new renaissance of like black directors you know i'm i'm happy for like a gina prince bythewood or f gary gray or a Stephen Caples Jr., or even a, like a Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler's like the biggest, he's like the biggest success story. You know, even though I don't like Wakanda forever, like, dude made, dude made a billion dollars, man. <laughs> I was like, he's a black director that made a billion dollar movie. You know, and you gotta give him props for that. I like his other stuff. I like Creed. I like Fruitvale Station. Those are like two of my favorite movies. Uh, but it's like you gotta you gotta give him credit for that. You gotta. I'm happy for these black directors who like get to make what they want to make and they're not getting shunned for it. I'm I'm happy that F. Gary Gray gets to make uh gets to make the Negotiator. I'm happy that he gets to make the Italian Job. I'm happy. That he gets to make, uh, he gets to make, um, what's that movie he did? He did the, he did the terrible Men in Black movie, but at least he got to do it, you know? <laughs> he did the bad Men in Black movie, but at least he got to do it, you know? Uh, Stephen Caples Jr. is gonna be doing the new Transformers movie, like, and it looks good. I love the trailer for it, you know? Like these black directors getting to do these major blockbusters. You know, uh, Gina Prince Bythewood did The Woman King. That movie did well. You know, it's, it's, that movie's out of the box. Nobody would have thought to make that movie. You know, it's like I'm just I'm just happy that these these directors are getting to do what they want to do. You know, so, so like they're they're kind of they're kind of carrying on the legacy of all those directors that I named that never got that chance to do it. And I, I, I love that. And it's like, it's kind of a shame that Maddie Rich didn't get to prove himself again. You know, it was just like, oh, yeah, this one movie, it bombed, bye. You know, <laughs> and that was it. 
it's kind of like it's kind of sad that he never got to prove himself but like i said he doing okay he all right he ain't hurting for money he was like it's just it's just like artistically i wish they would have gave him a chance to do more that's all i'm saying uh but let's get into how i saw this movie as a kid enough of that uh I saw this. I think I saw this movie on cable one night. It was like a like a Friday night or something like that. I want to say I saw it on Showtime. You know when like show like we didn't have Showtime. Like when Showtime had like those like free weekends or something like that. Like this is old man. This is like real old. Uh, back in the day, but like Showtime would have like free weekends to get you to subscribe to Showtime because they would be like because they would be like hey um hey this is what we got on showtime and then like they, they they like have a whole weekend of free showtime and then you and then they and then you would be like oh um i think i might i think i might subscribe to showtime now you got the free trial it's like the free trials because like i did the showtime free trial on uh on the app and it was just like oh look at all this stuff we got it and after because they give you like what a seven day trial i think showtime does I think Showtime gives you a seven-day trial. I never go past the seven days. I just watch everything I want to watch in them seven days, and I'm like, and I cancel, you know, <laughs> what I do. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm like, I'm going I'm to do these, I'm going to do these seven days. I'm going to watch everything I want to watch. And then after that, it's just like, I'm canceling. I'm canceling the subscription, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm not paying for nothing. That's what I do. Um, call me cheap. Call me what you want. But I still got money, but you know what? At the end of the day, but <laughs> Showtime ain't getting none of my money. But anyway, um, but yeah, what I thought about that, I thought this movie was so different from every other movie that I'd seen at that time because, like, it was kind of like the the first smart comedy movie that I liked. You know, it was just, I was 10 at the time, so I didn't know what smart comedy was, you know, <laughs> like, I was like, I was 10, I was 10 years old when I saw this movie, so I didn't know what smart comedy was, but I was just like, this ain't like, this ain't like the other movies I've seen, you know, it's, it's, this is, this is different, and I like it, but let's see how I feel about this movie as an adult (laughs) um this movie is set in uh, 1976 and it follows a middle class black family from upstate new york uh they're going to visit their wealthy relatives in martha's vineyard uh mainly mainly this movie follows drew who's this awkward uh geeky 16 year old he's played by uh lorenz tate played by Lorenz Tate and uh Joe Morton and Suzanne Douglas play his parents and uh Glenn Glenn Terman and Vanessa Bell Calloway they play his wealthy unc- aunt and uncle that live in Martha's Vineyard uh Drew also has a cousin Drew also has a cousin named Junior played by Dwayne Martin which like he's supposed to be like the cool guy he's like I know all the girls and I hang out here and I go party you know like he's supposed to be the 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 exact opposite of what drew is you know drew's like real awkward and nerdy and like uh junior's like real outgoing and he gets all the girls and all this stuff you know like he's supposed to be that uh side note 
I don't know why they continuously casted Dwayne Martin as a teenager in the 90s. (laughs) I'm just saying, man. It was like, you can look at this dude, especially here. Especially here. You can look at this dude and clearly tell he's 35. You can clearly tell he's a 35-year-old man. Like, But they continuously cast this man as a teenage boy. For some reason, because if I did Above the Rim, he was a teenager in there. Uh, he did this uh, failed pilot, I believe. Um, I forgot what it was called, but it starred the kid that played uh, Bud on uh, the Cosby show. I think it was after the Cosby show. Uh, it started that, it started that kid. I, I actually saw the, I actually saw the, the pilot of that show. I forgot what this show's called. It's called, like, Something World or something like that. It's called Jake's World or something. It's called something. Uh, if I find it, I'll probably post it on, like, my social media. i probably just post it on, like, Twitter or, uh, Facebook or something like that. If I could find it. Because it's on YouTube. I saw it on YouTube. But he... But like he plays a teenager in that show, and I'm like, and this is like 1993, 1994, you know. And I'm just like, dude, he is clearly not a he is clearly not a teenage boy. <laughs> I'm like, who are y'all trying to fool? Who are y'all trying to fool? Um, but yeah, the first ten minutes of this movie are are slug to get through. Like if you're if you're watching this movie just to critique it like I am, like you're gonna have a you're gonna have a tough time getting through like the first ten minutes. But you need those first ten minutes because they establish the characters and they establish the story. Um, another thing about Drew, Drew also talks to this doll named Iago, which that doll is creepy as hell. It is so creepy. It looks like some like trilogy of terror shit, like. <laughs> it looks like something that will jump up and stab you in the middle of the night. Uh, it's terrifying. You don't see it very often, but when you do, nightmare fuel. <laughs> That's all I got to say. It's nightmare fuel. Uh, but Drew finally uh, goes with Junior to the Inkwell, which is like it's like the Black Beach in Martha's Vineyard. Uh. So and we we hear about the history of the Inkwell because uh, Glenn Turman's character uh, Spencer, uh, he he um, he tells like he he goes on like this monologue about the history of the Inkwell. You <laughs> know, it's just like you know like this this beach used to be all white until we came along and blah 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 and then they turned it to a black beach and you know like it's all this stuff. Uh, this movie also has like an underlying story about black wealth. Um, it's not a very fleshed out story about black wealth, but it has an underlying story about black wealth. Uh, because like Joe Morton's character, uh, who used to be a Black Panther, his name is uh, Kenny. Uh, he's uh, Drew's father, and uh, Glenn Turman's character Spencer. Like they continuously butt heads in this movie about the halves and the half-nots, like, like, you, you over here being rich, but the rest of us is suffering, and blah, 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 and all this stuff, and, but, like, but, like, this movie is, 
also kind of a social commentary on what it means to be rich and black. You know, like I say, it's not a very fleshed out <laughs> commentary on what it means to be rich and black, but you kind of get the gist of what's going on. Uh, Spencer is also an asshole, though. <laughs> like, he's he, he is a dick. Uh, <laughs> like, Spencer is not a nice guy. Uh, like, he even asked if Drew has mental issues because, like, apparently he started a fire back home and and so like they, he's he just like hey is is he uh, is he okay because he sees him and like he's talking to that damn doll you know <laughs> he's talking to that creepy looking doll all the time and so like he's pretty much asking you like is he is he eh, is he alright you know <laughs> in the head you know but like that's a, that, like that's another other line story that Drew started a fire at his house and like nobody knows how it got started and. Nobody knows why he did it, you know, but like that's something that we we go back to as the movie goes along. But uh Drew, Drew is a character at the time that I had never seen before, you know, as a as a as a young black boy, you know, because you know, black men and boys, black men and boys, we get stereotyped like so much, especially in the 90s. It was like a big stereotype. It was like you could either be like a, either you were like a hoodlum or a deadbeat or you were or you were like a hyper hypersexual being. You know, <laughs> that's the only things that uh, they let us be. So like it was just cool to see a black kid that I related to because like I'm none of those. See the. Like, <laughs> I wasn't like I wasn't the hardest kid on the block and I wasn't like I wasn't like hypersexual getting all the girls and stuff. I was none of that, you know. So, you know. <laughs> so like it was cool to see a kid that was like awkward and nerdy, a black kid spe- specifically that was awkward and nerdy and an outcast and people didn't understand him and didn't understand why he did the things that he did. You know, so like it was kind of like it was kind of like a breath of fresh air to see that character in a black movie. You know, he's like if you kind of think about it, he's kind of the precursor to Donald Glover, you know, like because like that's what Donald Glover is as a person. He's just really nerdy and awkward, you know, and he kind of he kind of made it cool. You know, he kind of made a black a black guy being nerdy and awkward cool, you know, and there's like there's a lot of other guys out there right now that's like starting to make that cool being a black nerd is starting to be a cool thing now you know so but drew is kind of like the precursor to that it wasn't cool back then but he's kind of the precursor to that um can i talk about joe morton and uh, glenn Turman for a minute because like they are acting their butts off in this movie they are they are giving it their all <laughs> in this movie because like there's a there's a scene in here where like the two of them are going at it and it's like wow (laughs) like i'm I'm captivated by the acting that's going on here like they're kind of the glue that holds this movie together like while the kids are out there doing like silly antics and stuff like that these two guys are like giving academy award-winning performances (laughs) 
<laughs> in this movie, which like you can't help but respect, man. You can't help but respect the effort that they put into this movie. You gotta respect it. Um, Jada Pinkett is in this movie also. That's the the elephant in the room is that J- Jada Pinkett is in this movie. She uh plays a character named Lauren Kelly. Like she's kind of like Drew's like manic pixie dream girl. You know, because, like, she's, like, this unattainable, unattainable thing for him. And, like, Drew spends the most of his time trying to pursue her in this movie. Which, this might be a hot take, but I don't know if this is a hot take. But it might be. But Jada Pinkett is kind of a manic pixie dream girl in real life, if you ask me. (laughs) You know? (laughs) She is. If you kind of think about her. Like... She's the girl that's fun to be around, but not fun to be in a relationship with. But she's already like put her spell on you, so so you can't you can't really leave. You know, like I I know a thing or two about that from experience. You know, so which is why I relate to Will Smith situation so much. You know, because them them the man the manic pixie girls, God. Mm-mm. Mm, they are something. Uh, they they got a combination of like good convo, like etherealness and quirkiness, and like good sex. You know, so you know, so like, so like it's it's hard for you to leave. It's really really hard for you to leave because you got all of that. They got all that. They got all of that wrapped up, and like they just put you under a spell, man. You know, like, <laughs> they put you under a spell, and you just like. I don't know if I can leave or not. So, like, I understand that man's situation. I know a lot of people are like, man, yeah, I ain't getting up and slapping Chris Rock. I don't think it was something like that. But I was like, if if you were ever with a manic pixie dream girl, she'll make you get up and slap Chris Rock. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> manic pixie girls will make you do things that you never dreamed about doing, but they'll make you do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I can't really explain it. I can't really explain it right now. Uh, but it's a it's a it's an experience. <laughs> it's an experience to be with a manic pixie dream girl. Um but anyway, uh Drew gets sent to a therapist uh, who is played by Phyllis Yvonne Stickney, who has a fake Jamaican who has a fake Jamaican accent. I don't understand why she has that fake Jamaican accent guess it's something that she felt you know i guess it's something it is something that kind of makes her like it kind of draws you in with the accent and it kind of like it kind of like drops because she's playing a therapist and it kind of drops drew's guard to tell her what's going on with him so i guess that i guess hey man you you gotta do what you gotta do in acting i guess you know and that's the way she could do it um then we get this story, this side story out of nowhere with this married couple played by Morris Chestnut and uh, AJ Johnson. It's it's a story that develops in the background as the movie goes along. So it's not a forefront story, it's a background story. And like you just see, you just start seeing the story like come together as the movie goes along. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later in the review. Uh, Drew finally talks to Lauren, but she's, she's, she a little rude. She a little, she a little rude. All right. 
when like when I say that Lauren is a manic pixie dream girl, I say that because that's what she is to Drew. You know, like <laughs> she is that to Drew because like she's the only girl that he thinks about. It's like the only girl he's pursuing right now. He he wants him some Lauren. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's gonna get him some Lauren. Uh also like the interaction between uh Drew and his cousin and his cousin's friends. It's like cause like those guys are those guys are clowns, man. And like they let them I like the fact that they let them be kids. You know, which is like something that you don't see in a in like a in like a lot of black movies. Like they let these kids be kids. Uh th- kind of gotta say that about juice too but it gets dark if you i did a review about juice and i think i said that because like at the beginning at the beginning of that movie that movie's kind of a coming of age story but then it it, it turns into a hood movie you know after that because like murder you got murder and crime and everything like that but this movie like they just let these kids be kids they're not trying to kill anybody they're not trying to rob anybody or anything like that they're just horny little boys you know like they're just horny little boys like trying to trying to trying to get girls you know and going on little wild adventures and and doing like little silly antics and stuff like that so i like that um Drew also gets really co- close to uh, AJ Johnson's character Heather. Heather is her name, uh, which is really weird because like he's a teenager and she's a grown married woman. Like this woman's gotta be maybe in her twenties, maybe thirty, maybe. So like th- that's kind of that's kind of weird that. They got this grown married woman getting close to this 16 year old boy <laughs> you know like it's I, I i like i just tell you like these movies these movies really didn't give a crap back in the day they really didn't care um drew finally goes on a date quote unquote with lauren <laughs> and she's just so stuck up man she is stuck up she is rude uh like just bossy you know because like she's just like I want some lobster. She asked, she asked a 16-year-old boy for some lobster. You know, and he's just like, I ain't got that type of money. What? He was like, we could go for a pizza. He was just like, <laughs> you know, like she's just real, real bossy, bossy. But uh you kinda you kinda get a little bit of sympathy for her when like you find out like she comes from a broken home. You know, cause like they cause like they you kinda sit down with that character. And you kind of learn about that character. It was like you learn that like she has a lot of issues. She has mommy issues. She comes from a broken home. She has daddy issues. Her dad's not there. You know, he split on her and like she hadn't seen him since and all this stuff. So you kind of you kind of got a little bit of sympathy for her because you get that information. Uh, And then it seems like her and Drew finally bond at the end of the date. But that's up for debate and we'll talk about that later <laughs> also uh let's talk about uh morris chestnut's character harold he's uh heather's husband he cheats on her he cheats on her a lot like a lot it, he's with a different woman every time you see him so like that gives you like an insight 
of how much this man cheats. Because every time you see him, he's with a different woman that's not his wife. And he's lying to her and he's saying, like, I'm going on these business trips and I'm going to be working late. And like he come home, he come home and his shirt half open or something like that. <laughs> and it's just like and Heather, Heather's just oblivious to it. Like she's just oblivious. And like, I'm just like, can you be that oblivious? Like dude came home uh, with his shirt open like and you thought he was at work. I mean. Let's not be that dumb, honey. Let's not be that stupid. Uh, but um, yeah. So like, Drew gets caught up in this situation somehow. Um, so like, he 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 starts getting involved in that. Uh, at this is at this point where there is just like so much going on that it all gets jumbled up together. Uh, because, like, you have what's going on with Drew and Lauren. Drew trying to pursue Lauren. And then you got what's going on with Drew's parents. Like, his parents start having marital issues. They're arguing all the time and all this stuff. And then you got Kenny and Spencer's... Um, excuse me. You got Kenny and Spencer's uh, issues about class. You know, and then Drew gets involved with the married couple. You know, like, it's it's a lot. It's a lot, you know, but let's get back to Lauren. Uh, let's get back to the relationship with Lauren and Drew because Lauren ends up doing Drew dirty. Like, she ends up doing him mad dirty. Because, uh, like, Drew asked her out to, like, a 4th of July party. He wanted to go to the 4th of July party. Like, it's like a picnic on the beach or something like that. And she said, yeah, I'll go to the, I'll go to the, uh, the, to the party with you. And, like, he's real excited. He's like, yeah, I finally got her. She's going on a date with me. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he goes to pick her up for the date. And he finds her in bed with her ex. Like, he finds her, like, getting it on. Like, just hot and heavy with her ex. Like, they both, like, half butt naked. Like, he only got his drawers on. And she got her panties and her bra on, like, they have butt naked, and they about to have sex, like, they about to, they about to get it in, it's like some last American virgin shit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it was, like, it, it was like that, and you just feel so heartbroken for Drew, I didn't feel heartbroken for that character in that movie, but I feel heartbroken for Drew, because Drew didn't do nothing to nobody, you know, <laughs> he ain't do nothing to nobody, he ain't no incel, he ain't no creep, you know, like, he's, He's a nice boy. Um, but like unlike unlike that character, like he does have a he does have a happy ending, sort of. Sort of. Because he ends up having sex with Heather. <laughs> who, like I said, is a married grown woman. Which watching this now as an adult, I didn't understand it as a kid. Because both of them were older than me at the time. But now that I'm an adult. Uh, this scene is very off-putting to me. Because Drew is a minor. Like he's a minor. Like this is juice all over again. <laughs> you know this is juice for me all over again. If you want to know what I think about minors having sex with adults. Uh, even like when it's a, a, a young boy with a grown woman. Go check out my juice review. I, I go on a, a long rant about it. So <laughs> I'm not going to do it all over again here. Um, 
But overall, I didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy this movie as much as I did as a kid. But I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the effort to try and do something different from the status quo that was going on in the 90s. I appreciate that, but like this movie gets bogged down. This movie gets bogged down by like too many convoluted storylines. You know, and like it just in- it interrupts the flow of the movie. You know, like and you got to go back and then go forward and then go back again. You know, to, to, to understand what's going on and like it's, it's it's interrupting the flow of the movie. But I gotta say, man, I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the effort of Maddie Rich, and I wish the brother, I wish the brother got another opportunity, man. I wish he got another opportunity to show what he could do in Hollywood. And it's a sad story, man. That's a sad story. But overall, I give this movie a three out of five. You know, like it's it's not bad, but you know, it's it's middle of the road. It's a very middle of the road movie. Um I totally forgot what I'm gonna review <laughs> next week. So I'm going to put up the clue on my social media. If you're not following me on social media, follow me on social media at WatchPod on Twitter. Go follow me on I Watch This As an Adult 85 on Instagram. And also, uh, go follow me. On, go follow me on TikTok. I, I don't, I don't promote the TikTok very much up here. I'm sorry. Go follow me on TikTok. I watch this as an adult too. Go go uh, follow me up there. You can go follow me in my uh, Facebook, Mikael Ford. Um, that's pretty much it. I'll be back with another review next week. Until next time, peace.